I haven't even started yet and you got quiet. It's just, it's just amazing to me. It just mystifies me. Because when I'm home, they don't even recognize that I've walked in the room. So this is just, it's weird. How are you all this evening? Hey, somebody's good. Good for you. Glad you came back. Hopefully we didn't scare you off last week. We'll try again this week, but hopefully we won't. Um, We got a lot to cover this evening. It's going to be fun, but we still got a lot to cover. So uh, let's do a quick recap. Questions are important. The, The type of questions you ask determines the kind of answers you get. I had a daughter, a teenage daughter, that if you did not ask her the right question, you would not get the right info back. For instance, you couldn't say, hey, did you pass that test? You had to say, what did you make on the test? Right? right? You couldn't say, hey, are you going out with this guy? You had to say, okay, I know you're leaving with your girlfriend, but are you meeting this guy later? Right? You had to be really specific about the questions. And a lot of times when it comes to marriage, the question we tend to ask is, tell me, how, how can I live with my spouse? How can I live with my spouse? But that's the wrong question, because if you ask that question, you get a really shallow kind of, what can I do to get by kind of answer. But if you ask the question, how can I live for my spouse, that changes the game. That changes the game because it makes the answers deeper, and it causes you to, to live for more, and it causes you to be more vibrant. Uh, so questions are important, and that's why we're asking this question tonight. How to live not just with your spouse, but how to live for your spouse. It's a six-week series, used to be a 12-week series, and we crammed it all in, husbands and wives together. And uh, that'll make it interesting. It was a little easier to teach when we taught husbands by themselves with no wives and wives by themselves with no husbands. Because uh, when you do it together, you give each other a little ammunition that you could use against yourself. And so we don't want to do that. But we said last week uh, that this series is, let me turn this on, this series is not, here's what it's not. It's not to make your marriage everything you want it to be. Hard piece of truth here, but your, never, your marriage will never be everything you want it to be. It just won't. It's not supposed to. If it was everything I wanted it to be, I wouldn't have to do anything, learn anything, change in any way. That's not how that works. So your marriage will never be everything you want it to be. Neither is this series about making you feel like you should be someone else. You should not be someone else. You should be yourself. That doesn't mean that you and I don't need to tweak some things, but it doesn't mean we have to completely be somebody different. Also, this is not meant for you to beat up on yourself with your, for your shortcomings. We all have them. You're not going to get rid of all of them. You're not meant to beat up on yourself. God doesn't do that. We shouldn't either. And this series is not meant to make you feel bad about your marriage. Uh, your marriage will never look like somebody else's. And I get this all the time. I have couples that will come into my counseling office saying, you know, we just wish we were like such and such in our life group. They have everything all together. And I can't tell them, but about a week or two before that, such and such came into my office and said, we just wish our marriage was like them because we have everything together. So this is not about making you feel bad about your marriages. This is about figuring out how to work with what you've got and make it the best you can make it, all right? And then we said there was three phrases we wanted to ban from the series. We're banning the I can't because... Because the minute you say, I can't, you've already told me what you're not going to do. Uh, There'll always be a reason why you and I can't do something. But if you, for instance, I I went and checked on my mother yesterday. Battery ran out in her cell phone, replaced the battery. And uh, people at the assisted living where she lives, they all went to Publix together. Loaded up the van, went to Publix. I said, well, did you go? She goes, no, I didn't go. I said, well, why not? I just wear out too easy. I can't go. She's 90 years old. I just wear out too easy. I can't go. I said, Mom, I was with you Saturday. We went to the bookstore. You were there for like two or three hours pulling books off the shelf. She goes, well, that was something I liked. (laughs) Okay. I could not have gotten away with that when I was growing up. She gets away with it at 90. I get that. 
So we can't use I can't because. We also ban, but you don't know my spouse. I do not know your spouse. But God knows your spouse and God knows you and you don't know my spouse. We all have to live with a spouse somebody doesn't know, right? So that's just an even playing field. So you got you to get that. And then the last thing we banned was, see, I told you so. I'm going to say things to your spouse that you've been trying to tell them for I don't know how long. And the minute you go, see, I told you so, you're going to wreck it, okay? Don't wipe out the work I'm trying to do. Uh, husbands come into my office all the time. Wives will bring husbands in. And I'll be telling the wife something. And the husband goes, I've been trying to tell her that for so long. Doesn't work that way. They don't hear it from you and I. So do not turn to your spouse when I say something that affirms what you've been trying to tell them and say, see, I told you so. That will get you in Dutch. You know, and then we, we talked a little bit about abuse and how that leaves some exceptions to all of this. Um, but except for those cases where a marriage might be abusive, you've got to take the focus off of your spouse and put it on you. And I left you with this phrase. Pray for them, but work on you. All right? So when you hear something you've been telling them, don't say, I told you so. Just pray for them to get it, and you work on you. All right? So then we, we started off with husbands. We'll start off with wise tonight, but we started off with husbands, and we said from Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for them. We said that husbands are to lead like the king. Not a king, but the king. That's completely different. If you lead like a king, you think you deserve everything and you get everything your way, and it just, that doesn't work. Or at least it doesn't work in my house. Maybe it does in yours, but it doesn't in mine. So you have to lead like the king. And you do that in two ways. Go back to that passage, husbands, love your wives. So the first thing you have to do is love your spouse. And you have to love them not the way you think they need to be loved, but you have to love them the way they need to be loved. And this is hard for husbands. I'm just telling you, we're a bit Neanderthal in some ways. And this is one of them. Loving our spouses is hard for us. Leading our spouses is easy. We can lead all day long. But loving is harder. And that's why we're asked to do that. Because the passage didn't say, husbands, lead your wives as Christ led the church. He said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then the second thing that we're to do is to let go. And gave himself up for her. Another thing that husbands don't do well. We don't like to let go of things. We, we have this fear that we're going to lose control or lose our status or, or lose something. And we don't like to lose. So next we spoke to wives. And we said that wives are to submit, but just not submit. They're to submit like a queen. To submit like a queen. And then we had to, uh, we had to kind of correct some things here. We, we looked at Ephesians 5, 2 through 24, and we talked about all the things that make submission difficult. We said, and then we talked about what is submission and what isn't. Submission is not being mindless, being speechless, being hopeless, being less than. That's, none of that is submission. But then we had to talk about what it was. And I give you this definition. Submission is being an equal partner who is willing to go to let go of some personal rights when it's helpful, when it's needful, when it's safe, in order to demonstrate trusting loyalty to Christ and to their spouse, right? And then we said, just like if husbands are going to lead like the king, they have to love and they have to let go. And if wives are going to submit like a queen, they have to release. There's some hurts. There's some things that didn't go right that you're still holding on to. There's a desire to control that you're still... There's things you have to release. You know what those are. And they're hard. Corey Ten Boom used to say, I've learned to hold things loosely in my hand because it hurts when God pries my fingers off of them. So there are some things that wives, if they're going to submit, they have to learn how to release. We'll talk some more about that. And then they have to learn how to remember. They, gotta, they do that through remembering. Remembering the good stuff about their spouse. It's really easy to focus on the bad stuff about your spouse. I mean, that just leaps off the page. But it's really hard to focus on the good stuff about your spouse. You have to remember that. You have to remember God's sovereignty, that God is in control, that God knows what he's doing. When you start remembering those things, it gets easier to submit the way you need to submit. 
And then we said there's some reciprocation that has to go on. When, when your spouse does something good for you, you do something good back, and then they do something good back, it's a circle. It's a circular logic. And it doesn't make any difference who goes first, so you have to go first. Husbands have to go first. Wives have to go first. You both have to go first. And then we said just take some remedial steps. Just some remedial steps. And then at the end of the session, we said both husbands and wives are called to do this. Both husbands and wives are called to serve lovingly, to lovingly serve, and then to respectively, respectfully submit. Because it says not just wives submit. If you go back before that passage, it says submitting to one another. So wives submit in one way, husbands submit in a different way. And... If you do these two things, it just these two things, if you did these two things consistently and faithfully, it would reduce most of the issues in your marriage and everybody else's marriage. Just those two things. And then I sent you home with homework. Now, on the honor system, how many of you did it? Ah, uh, there's a few. All right. Good, good. Uh, question, if you did it, tell me how it went. What did you think about it? What came out of the homework? I mean, you don't have to get really personal if you don't want to. If you do, that's fine. We all love a good story. But tell me how the homework went. Figuring out the practical thing was harder. Yeah, because it's really easy to get the broad brushstroke, the idea, but then how do you implement? Okay, someone else. You know, I always tell every group I'm teaching to, I'm really comfortable with uncomfortable silence. So I'll just wait you out. If you did homework, what was it like? What came out? It might be harder to follow through with what you think you're not doing right. Yes, follow through is always hard. Yeah. I can, mar- I can marshal up the ability to do it once, maybe twice, but continuing to do it is hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's follow-through and consistency. There's follow-through in doing it the way you're supposed to do it completely. Anybody else? You know, I found something interesting last session, and then we'll go on to tonight's session. And uh, I don't know where this fits or if it fits. But last, after the end of last session, I had some wives come up and tell me, how they wouldn't trade their spouse for anything. How God's blessed them with this great spouse and, and, and talked about how good they are. You know what was interesting about that, though? At the risk of getting myself in trouble? They were all older ladies with longer marriages. Isn't that interesting? Not a young person, and I'm 63, so I can say that. Not a young person came up and said, told me how great their spouse was. Now, granted, when you're in that stage of marriage, things are harder. I mean, you've got kids to raise and careers, and, and yeah, it's harder. Uh, but I think that's a generational difference, too. Uh, my wife would say, well, that's because in our generation, we just had to learn to settle for less. <laughs> talking about me. But... I think there's something different there. But anyway, that's last week. Now, if you missed last week, we have the audio. We don't have the video, but we have the audio, and here's how you get it. And I hate to do this because it sounds like a shameless plug, but go to brettlake.com and then find the resource tab, click on it, and then you will find how to live for your spouse, and you'll find all the audio messages there. So if you missed last week, that's where you can pick it up. If you want to listen to something again, if you want to share it, that's where you can share it, and that's how you can get there, all right? So we need to move on because we got a lot to cover it this evening. Last week's session, session number one, we had two different instructions. Husbands were to lead like the king, and wives were to submit like a queen. Tonight, the instruction is the same for both. The instruction is this, make them feel special. Make them feel special. It's the same instruction, 
but you do it differently. Husbands do it differently than wives, and wives do it differently than husbands. Instructions the same, but you approach it differently. Help them feel special. Everybody wants to feel special, right? And we recognize that with our children. We go over and above board trying to help our kids feel special and important. But we typically don't do that for one another. Which seems kind of backwards to me, actually. We don't do that for one another. Husbands and wives, what were some of the things that made you feel special when you were dating? Keep it PG, but, but let me know. He'd open the car door for you. You know, I had a friend that was really important to his wife, and uh, he'd, he'd open the car door, but one day he got out of the car, came home from church, got out of the car, went straight in the house, and she didn't move. She did not move. Like 2 o'clock in the afternoon or something, he looks out, she's still sitting in the car, realizes how much trouble he's in. Yeah. We used to do that. Somebody else, what did you do for one another that made you feel special? What was done for you? Walks and talks? Yes, you'd take long walks. You'd talk. Now if your spouse says, let's take a walk. Oh, I'm so tired. It's too hot. I've got things to do. Yeah, walking and talking. And, or, or here's how it goes. You, you muster up the strength to go for the walk. And Okay, what do you want to talk about? You know, that just doesn't go over well either. But we would do that. Somebody else. When I was dating my wife, we, I was living here, but I was flying out of Atlanta and out of here a lot every week pretty much. And she would take me to the airport and pick me up from the airport the following week. So you flew in and out every week, and she was the one who always took you there and then picked you up. Yeah, absolutely. When my wife and I were dating back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, uh, we dated for three years, and it was pretty much 90% of it was long distance. And this was before cell phones, before text, before FaceTime. There was nothing but a phone on the wall with a real long cord. But it was long distance, so we couldn't do that. It was too expensive. So it was snail mail. It was snail, and for three years, a majority of our interaction was snail mail. Actually, it was, it was really good. I did, but here's the deal. My wife didn't. Yes, and I don't let her forget that. It's my leverage. I have all your old letters. Look here. Where are mine? You know? Yep, I saved them. But there's a bit of a gender flip in my house. I'm more the girl. She's more the guy. So it makes sense. Anyone else? Yes. He would come home every weekend to see you, even if it was a snowstorm. Absolutely, that should make you feel good. Or make you wonder how sane he really is, right? Anyone else? Okay, here's the big question. Some of you know you're just not sane. But here's the big question. Those things that you did to make them feel good, or those things they did to make you feel good, here's the bigger question. Are you still doing them? You see a few heads going, yeah. But most of you have got the deer in a headlight look, right? Are you still doing them? It's amazing. People will come into my office, husbands and wives, and they're just at each other's throat. They're just mad. They don't like each other. They don't even know if they want to stay married to one another. And, and they're just going at it. And I'll finally say, tell me, what, tell me when you guys met. Tell me what you did when you were dating. And, and all of a sudden, their countenance changes, Right? And so they start talking about, you know how it was. You would talk to somebody on the phone, and if nobody had anything to say, you would listen to each other breathe, you know? 
You would just do that. You would go to movies you didn't like just because they wanted to see. You would eat food you didn't like. You would even dress up and look and smell better just for them, right? And so they're telling me all these stories about how long they used to talk and the walks they used to take. And so when they get done, I say, are you doing those now? And they went, and they duck their heads. There is a correlation. The reason you fell in love in the beginning was not just because they wowed you, although they might have. The reason you fell in love was because of the things you were doing then. That's what created the love. When somebody, when a husband and wife come into my office and say, you know, we just, I love them, but I'm not in love with them anymore. That never bothers me. I go, so? I'm okay with that. I said, what do you mean you're okay with that? I'm okay with that because you can produce chemistry. The walking, the talking, the, the spending time together, the meeting, all of that stuff, if you do that, that produces chemistry. That produces that in love feeling. What you can't produce is friendship. So if you have that, you can get back the quote-unquote chemistry. You can, you can do all of that. Uh, it's just the small things that we stop doing. We stop doing the small things. What gets in the way of doing those things? Kids. kids. Yes. Kids and more kids and people's, other people's kids and job. Pardon? To-do list. Yes. Life. Shift work. Yeah, shift work's a big one. It's hard. What else? Hormones. Hormones. Yes. Amen. Hers and mine, actually. What else gets in the way? Lots of things. I mean, all this stuff. You're, you're preoccupied. You know, once you say, I do, it's like mission accomplished. And then you're on to something else. Right? And, and people always come up and say, well, this is not the person I married. And I go, you're right. And you aren't either because once they said, I do, it switched from dating rules to marriage rules. Those are different for everybody. It's on to bigger and better things now. We've got to check that box. And so lots of things get in our way. So tonight, I'm going to give you the bottom line up front, which is probably good because I'll likely run out of time the way I'm going. I'm going to give you the bottom line up front. And it comes from this passage, Ephesians 5 and 3, 533 rather. However, let each one of you Love his wife as himself. We talked about that last week. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, so how do you make them feel special? I told you it was different for each. For husbands, husbands need to feel respected. And they need to feel like they're personally competent. You know, we put on a big brave face. We think we're all big and bad, but we're really pretty insecure on the inside. And if we don't feel like we're competent and successful, we take a big hit. But for wives to feel special, they need to feel loved. That means they need to feel relationally close. And so for husbands, if we can help our wives feel relationally close, then they feel special. And for wives, if you can make this husband feel confident and competent, if you can make him feel respected, then he's going to feel special. But like I said... There's different ways to do this. And since we started with husbands last week, let's start with wives this week. Okay, Ephesians 5.33 tells you, respect your husbands. Now, I know that begs the question, what if he's not acting respectable? And there's times he's not, right? Well, that's possible. It's very possible that there's times when your husband's not respectable. And there's possible that some people may be an abusive, hurtful, harmful relationship. So this is not what we're talking about, okay? That's for another, an, another deal. But in the case where your marriage is not that, most often than not, it's not that your husband's acting disrespectful, it's that he's acting different. They're just acting different, you know? How's your husband? Well, he's just different, you know? We act differently. So, what I want us to focus on tonight is, first of all, why is showing husband to respect to your husband so important? Why is showing your husband respect? Why is that so important? Okay, any ideas? 
You're honoring them, okay? Why is that important? You're honoring the vows you made. You're honoring the Lord. Okay, husband's the leader of the house. If you don't respect the leader, they're not going to feel good. Think of it this way, wives. When your husband is showing you love and you feel relationally close, how does that make you feel? Safe. Wanted. Loved. Anything else? Say it again. Chair, secure. Here's the deal. When you are showing your husband respect, he feels the same way. That's how he feels when he's feeling respected. Now, I'm not so stupid as to think we all deserve that. We don't. But that's how he feels when you're treating him that way. Look what's going on with most men. And, and wives, you'll say, well, this goes on with me too. We'll get to you in a minute, all right? But right now, here's what goes on with, with most men. Uh, take a look at Genesis 3.16. This is where it all starts, okay? It's just where it all starts. Starting in verse 16 of chapter 3 of Genesis. To the woman, this is after the fall, to the woman, he, meaning God, said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall bring forth children. Now, this phrase, this is something. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Hear the tug of war? It's implanted in the beginning. Now go on. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat it all the days of your life. So there's pain on both sides. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you. You shall eat the plants of the and you shall eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, and for you are dust. And dust you shall return. If you boil that passage down, here's why husbands need respect. Here's why it's so important. First of all, they have trouble feeling successful because of their relationship with their spouse. I mean, most of us can do, most guys, they can do conflict resolution all day long at work. But when you get home, that's another story. And, and there's reasons for that. But there's this insecurity about, will I be accepted by my spouse? Will I be thought well of by my spouse? Will they think I'm okay? Will they respect me? That goes back to the Garden of Eden. He tell, God tells Eve, you shall, your desire shall be contrary to your husband. Some versions say, you will want to rule over him, but he will rule over you. And, and this is important. The Hebrew word, for desire, it talks about to control or conquer. So what happens with sin is wives want to control husbands. Why? Because most of the time we don't know what we're doing. But that was inbred in, in, in the fall. And, and husbands want to, we want to feel successful. We have a deep desire to feel successful. And especially with the people we sleep with and are vulnerable to, Right? Uh, we can do, like I said, we can do conflict all day at work, but when we get home, conflict with the one we sleep with is hard because we're most vulnerable to them. And, and so we need to feel successful. And if we don't, we want that feeling to go away as quickly as possible. That's why when a husband senses they're getting into a conflict, oftentimes they'll take one of two tracks. They'll withdraw They'll just fade out, either geographically or emotionally. They'll just withdraw. Or they'll rise up and squelch it as quickly as possible. Because it makes us uncomfortable. We want to feel significant to you. And when we hear criticism or questioning, we automatically take that personally. 
Now, it's a character flaw on our part, but it's still there. And, and so we have this need to feel successful with our wives, and a lot of times we don't. We're not as relationally attuned as they are. They tend to be a little more meticulous on most cases than we are. And so we always feel like we're not measuring up for them. But there's another reason husbands have trouble feeling successful. And it's in this area. Their relationship with their work or their career. Go back to Genesis. Adam's not only told that, hey, your wife's going to try to dominate you. You have to rule over her. But he's also told, your work's not going to go that hot either, buddy. You know, it's going to be hard. It's never going to get easier. You're going to have to keep working to provide. And then one day, you die. You know? It's great, great encouragement after the fall. These are the two areas where husbands are most vulnerable. These are the two areas that are like kryptonite to Superman to us. And, and again, we're a little Neanderthal. We kind of have two working gears. We're not that complicated. If we're doing well in our relationship with our spouse and we're doing well in our work and career, we're pretty happy campers. But those are the two areas we're always feeling like we're not measuring up in. Uh, so for husbands to feel disrespected in marriage or in their work, like I said, it's like kryptonite. It just gets us. But when you show a husband respect, here's what happens. It touches him at his core. It reaches him at his core. It builds him up. It helps him feel significant. Helps him feel loved. Some of you said that a minute ago. It helps him be the man you want him to be. And it helps him stand up against the pressures he's facing. I threw a diagram in to show this. There's all these pressures coming in on men. And the majority is work and spouse, work and marriage. These are the pressures on us. And what happens is if there's nothing filling us up to push outwardly, we cave. We crumble. And that's why our wives, this is why it's so important for our wives to build into us the, the respect, the confidence that we need. We'll talk about how to do that in a minute, but that's why it's so important. So, how do you do that? How do you help your husband feel respected? Now, notice I didn't say, how do you make your husband? You can't make anybody feel anything, but you can help them. All right, so how do you do that? Here's a list. One, express admiration and appreciation. Express There's four of these. Express admiration and appreciation. You need to do this both privately and publicly. One is good, two's much better. Nothing does a husband better than to hear his wife bragging on him. Now, you may have to search to find something to brag on, but you can do that, right? I mean, you do that with your children. You can do this with your spouse. Listen to Proverbs 12, 14. From the fruit of his mouth or her mouth... A man or a wife is satisfied. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good. And the work of a man's hands comes back to him. This applies to, to wives also. The fruit of your mouth will come back. So if your mouth is predominantly criticizing, correcting, changing, telling him how, then that's the fruit you're going to get back. It's, wives, how... Has the fruit of your mouth shaped your husband? I mean, don't answer that. Just think about it. How has the fruit of my mouth shaped my husband? Because we think he's that way, <coughs> excuse me, just as he is, but he's not. He had help getting there. I had a husband and wife came into my office one time. They sat down on my couch, and then she launched. I mean, she's telling, she's speaking a mile a minute, all the kind of things that are wrong and what she wants to see happening. And, and I mean, she's just blowing my hair back. And so eventually she gets tired or takes a breath or something and she stops. And so I turn to the husband and say, tell me what you think. And I sat there and he sat there and we sat some more and he looked at me and then little by little, words started dribbling out of his mouth. And before long, we were having this great conversation until he said something that his wife didn't agree with, and then boom, she was on it again, and she's talking, and I watched him just fade back into the sofa. 
And what was one of her main complaints? He never talks. Right? Well, yeah, he was a bit of an introvert, but he had some help, right? So, the fruit of your mouth. Here's some things to do. Express admiration, appreciation. Do this. Express gratitude for all of his positives. I know it's easier to point out the negatives, but express gratitude for all of his positives. Express pride in their accomplishments. Even if you don't get it, even if you don't understand it, brag on them. My grandchildren will bring me a picture that I have no idea what it is. I mean, it could be the Loch Ness Monster. I don't know. What do I do? That's awesome. Great job. But your husband could do something, and you go, yeah, yeah okay. You know, I, I don't mow my own yard anymore because I'm afraid I'll have a heart attack. But uh, I remember when I was mowing my yard, and my wife would come home, if she didn't say something about how good the yard looked, I was hacked. Now, would I tell her? No, I'm going to pout about it the rest of the evening. But I was mad. I'm a grown man. I've mowed the yard every week. But for some reason, I needed her to brag on the yard. And it wasn't that good. I'm not that great of a yard guy. But I needed to have that gratitude, that pride in accomplishments. This is how you do it. This is how you don't do it. Now, let me back up for a minute. Allow and express appreciation for the differences even. I know the differences aggravate you the way they're different from you, but you need those, and you need to express some appreciation for that. You know, hon, this drives me crazy, but I'm so glad you're this way. Just need to hear that. Uh, and we should give attaboys to your husband, just like you do to your children. Now, you may think... I don't need an attaboy. Why should they? doesn't make any difference. They do. You should give it to them. Here's what you don't do, though. You don't fix or correct them. You don't fix or correct them. Now, does that mean we never need corrected? No, we do sometimes. But we'll get to that in a minute. Don't fix or correct them. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. Another thing you don't do when trying to express admiration and appreciation, do not tease them or slam them. Now, again, we think we're, we act like we're big boys. We act like nothing bothers us. We're okay. But if you tease us, it, we feel like a little kid on the playground again. We just do. Guys, I could really use an amen right now because otherwise I'm going to feel it's all me, right? We do. We don't tease them or slam them. They're very, we're very sensitive to that. Uh, now, you're sitting there thinking, well, they shouldn't do that to me either. I get that, but pray for them, work on you, right? Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building others up and lifting that fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Your husband needs grace to those who hear. Oh, and husbands, this applies to us also, by the way. Second thing wives can do, because I'm going to run out of time really quickly. They need to give encouragement. We need your encouragement. The word encouragement means to put courage into. And I'm just telling you, no matter how bulletproof I act like I am, there are days I walk out of the door and I'm weak-kneed knowing what's facing me that day. And I need a spouse who will put courage into me. Now, in my house, my wife's asleep when I leave, so that's a little tough. But, but I need that, you know. I get it of an evening. To put courage into. So here's what you do. Some of you are not going to like this first one. Be a cheerleader for them. And I can hear your head saying, no one's cheerleading me when I'm doing the laundry or when I'm... I get it. I understand. But you can't fix that. You can only fix you and cheerlead him. And you'll be surprised. You remember the circular logic? When you start doing some of these things, these things will come back to you. Scripture talks about casting your bread on the water and it comes back to you. So be a cheerleader. And, and remember, just because you don't need the attaboys doesn't mean he doesn't. Go back to that Ephesians 4 passage there. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. That's the thing you do to give encouragement. Here's what you don't do. 
Call attention to his weaknesses. Does that mean I can never point out if he's wrong? No, it doesn't. Not necessarily. So let me add the addendum. Call it, don't call attention to his weaknesses unless you're regularly calling attention to his strengths. You know, they say it takes about five encouraging words to wipe out one discouraging word. When you're working in that ratio, ladies, then we can hear your, your criticism. But we can't if you're not working in that ratio. So unless you're, giving them, unless you're really calling attention to their strengths a lot, be careful about calling attention to their weakness. Third thing you can do to show respect, show trust and confidence in them. Remember, even though you're trying to help, your corrections and criticisms often seem deflating to us. Just be mindful of that. We're not hearing it the way you think you're delivering it. So, we need you to show trust and confidence in us. So, things you can do. Let them do things their way, even if it's not the best way, even if it's not the most efficient way, even if it seems backwards to you, and it will, let them do things their way. Some of you have heard this story before, but when my wife was growing up, I swear the favorite family game was how can you shave a tenth of a mile off a trip, right? How can you get there in the shortest, most economical way possible? So when we got married, and, and that's not me, obviously, so when we got married, we'd be driving around, and she'd go, you need to turn here. So I'm a relatively new husband, okay, and I'll just turn there. But I'm kind of mumbling in my head, not really happy about it. But I think, you know, this will go away, this will go away. Did it? No. And so before long, the game turns into this. You need to turn here. And I would conveniently miss the turn. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll have to get there another way. Very passive aggressive of me. Thinking, well, this will give her a hint. She'll lay off now. She'll get this hint. Did she? No. So the game escalates. And so the next time we're out, she says, you need to turn here. And I go, you know what? I bet there's more than one way to get there. That should have stopped it right there. But it didn't. But one day, I don't know what... God was saving me or something. But one day she said, you need to turn here. And I said, you know what? When you tell me how to get somewhere, I feel like I'm 15 years old with my learner's permit and my parent is over there on that side. Didn't get it again. She would let me lose my way and drive to Atlanta without saying things to me. And she did a few times. You know, not quite that bad. And then eventually we found the middle. We found the middle ground. Uh, but you got to let them do things their way. That's why my wife and I, we can never do things like play volleyball together or paint a room together, because we just do it differently. We're just different that way. I used to get in trouble on Wednesday night. i got to quit telling stories. I'm never going through. I used to get in trouble on Wednesday night dinners, because my wife would come, and I'm out being me. I'm working the crowd. I'm laughing. I'm being too loud. And she wants me to sit down there and be still and eat with her. Would you sit down? And we'd be mad at each other. On Wednesday night at church, we're mad at each other. And we finally decided the best thing we could do on Wednesday nights was go our separate ways. You know? Because she was mad at me for being one way. I was mad at her. for. But we had to learn to let each other be themselves. All right? So... Do let them do things their way. Express interest in how they approach things. Hey, I would not have thought of doing it that way. Where did you learn that? What makes you do it that way? I'm interested. That's a whole lot better than saying, you do it that way? That'll get you in trouble. You know, because you're going to get back. Yeah, I do it that way. Express interest, but be careful how you do it. Here's what you don't do. Don't critically question, don't remind, re-remind, and re-re-remind. Because you don't think it is, but in our ears, it sounds like nagging. Parents, it's the same way with your kids. You think you're trying to get something through to them. You are just nagging them. And so, don't do that. There's other ways to get that done. Uh, 
You may be questioning, you may be reminding because you think or he acts like he didn't hear you. He heard you. And so when you say it again because you don't think he heard you, then the game escalates. Proverbs says this, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Remember, many men feel more respected and more trusted at work than they do at home. Don't let this happen, because if you let this happen, then that helps to create a workaholic that doesn't want to come home. Don't let that happen. They are competent at work, so you don't have to assume that they're not at the house. They're competent at the house, too, even if they don't do things the way you would. So ask yourself, is this really that important? Is it really that important? All right, last one, then we got to rush to the guys, otherwise wives will feel shortchanged. Uh, four, to help him feel respected, you need to express desire for him. You really do. Many men feel more respected and trusted at work, like I said, because they feel like they're appreciated and they're desired here. So greet him like you want to see him, not like I'm glad you're home because I got stuff for you to do. All right? Greet him like you. Wives, I'm telling you, you can change the whole atmosphere of your house of an evening by how you greet your spouse. I can have the rotten day ever. And if when I walk in, even if she doesn't get up and greet me, if she from the other, room of the other end of the room smiles and, and says hi in a voice that's up here rather than hi, it changes my whole attitude. I mean, I'm going to be doing laundry and cooking because she's glad to see me. Right? So, greet them like you're glad to see them. Learn about their world. Learn about their interest. And yes, show some desire for them sexually. Because I'm telling you, husbands can't separate who we are from that. And so, if you are kind of about that, it feels personal. It just does. Wish it could make it different, make things even better at my house, but I can't. We take it personally. We'll do some more on that in another session, so buckle up on that one. Here's the things you don't do, though. Don't compare them to another man or another husband. Do not do that. You may think this is just a subtle way of encouraging change, but what it really does is deflate your husband, makes him feel like he's undesirable and not enough. So don't compare. No one can live up to comparisons. But those are the four things a wife can do to help her husband feel respected. Uh, Two things to remember, and then we'll move to the husbands really quickly. Remember to soften your verbal approach. Your tone of voice kills us. It just does. My wife inherited the tone of voice from her mother. My, my mother-in-law could look outside and say, the sky's blue, and it feels vicious when she says it, you know? And so a lot, of, a lot of times I felt like I was in trouble at the house. I felt like I'd done something wrong. And, and finally, my wife said something. I said, why are you so mad at me? She goes, what are you talking about? I'm not mad at you. And the light bulb goes off. It's a tone of voice. I'm reading a tone of voice. So be careful about your tone. You can't always change your tone to suit him. But when you see he's picked up on the wrong tone, deal with it then and there. Okay? And, and then remember, small steps make a big difference. All right, we got to move quickly. Husbands, we need to talk about us now. Go back to that passage in Ephesians 5.33. However, each of one of you love his wife as himself and let his wife see that she respects her husband. Guys, quickly, and I don't need you to hesitate on this one. You got to jump in. How did this happen when you were dating? How did you love your wife or your future wife when you were dating? Really quickly. Okay, so you didn't. And you're still together, which is really amazing to me. That's easier. <laughs> He would plan things ahead of for you so you didn't have to do it. 
That's golden right there. That's golden. Uh, husbands, when you love your wives the way we've been talking about, the way we're going to talk about, it does the same thing for them as it does when they show you respect. They feel the same way. Those are free points. You should miss those, right, guys? So, I want to give you some biblical instruction, and then I'll give you some really practical instruction, and then we'll be done. Guys, listen to what the Scripture says. Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, this is the place where some of you are going to go, but you don't know my wife. But remember, we banned that phrase, right? Uh, now, there may be times you don't feel this verse. I get it. That's just how it works. You may not feel that verse, and, and, but it's a general truth from God. And if this, this should be your starting attitude, and this should be the attitude you have and demonstrate for her. This is the starting point, is to say, this wife who drives me crazy, this wife who I would sometimes love to smother in her sleep, this is God's favor to me. You know? And uh, I can say that because I used to be a snorer. So, um, uh, and, and just in case you kind of want to pass this off as an Old Testament thing that we don't have to really pay attention to in the New Testament, listen to Peter. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing her honor to, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. We'll get to that, ladies, relax. And since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. You know, what's amazing in this is that the words that Peter gave were given to husbands in a time when wives were little more than property. No one expected a husband to treat their wife with honor or respect. And yet Peter blazes this trail. And you know why he did it? Because he saw Jesus do it. It's one of the things that was outstanding and, and, and disheartening and unnerving to people about Jesus is he treated women with the same respect as he treated men. That's where Peter got it. So husbands, if our lives are going to model Christ, we have to show our wives honor and respect. Now, here's what First Peter tells us to do. First, he says, be engaged. Remember, husbands, live with your wives. There's a lot in that word live. Don't just hang out. Don't just stay there. Don't just eat food. Live with your wives. Be engaged with them. Then he tells husbands, be understanding. He says this, live with your wives in an understanding way. I know this is difficult. It's difficult for you. It's difficult for them. But live with your wives in an understanding way. So be understanding. There's gender differences, there's personality differences, there's family upbringing differences. It can be hard, but you're still called to do it. Next thing we're called to do is be honoring. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to them as the weaker vessel. Now, that, when you really dig into the verbiage there in the Greek, that weaker vessel doesn't mean that they're less intelligent or less important. Or it mean, it's just talking about physical frame. That's all it's talking about. Okay, so be engaged, be understanding, be honest, honoring. And then there are two reminders in this passage. Your wife is your equal since they are heirs with you, the text says. They're your equal. Okay. Yes, your wife is different. Thank God they're different. But that doesn't mean they're your lesser. They're your equal. And the second thing we're reminded to do is how you guys, how you treat your wife has a direct influence on your relationship with God. So that your prayers may not be hindered, the text says. Guys, sometimes I swear for you and I both, when things are not going well and it seems like God's taken a trip to the Bahamas and has not left a forwarding address, we may want to ask ourselves, how's my relationship with my wife? Because it says, so that your prayers are not hindered. How we treat our wives has a direct relationship on our relationship with God and our prayer life. And, and because marriage is supposed to be a picture of a relationship with Christ, that makes sense. Right? Proverbs 12, 26. 
One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Guys, here's one I want to ask you and me this evening. What kind of guidance are you giving to her in your attitudes, in your actions? It says, he who's righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the wicked lead them astray. So these are some biblical instructions. Really quickly, some practical instructions. If you go back to 1 Peter, one more time. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. What are some practical steps? Here they are. Time. Time of an evening. Put your kids to bed on time. Actually, some of you put your kids to bed too late. I can't tell you how many husbands and wives I have to say, just shave off 30 minutes for a month or so and get them used to that and then shave off another 30. Recoup some time for the two of you of an evening. Uh, Run errands together. When my wife says, hey, you want to go to Walmart? (laughs) And my head's going, what's the right answer? What's going to give me, what's the right (laughs) I, I say, you know what? I'm in the middle of something, and if you don't want the company, I probably would like to finish this, but if you want the company, be glad to go. And you know what? She wants the company. All right? So run errands together. Date nights. If you are not dating your spouse, that does not mean kids with you. That does not mean other couples with you. If you're not dating your spouse at least twice a month, shame on you. And if you can do it once a week, you should do that too. Spend time together. Give them attention. Really listen to her. Don't glaze over. Don't go off to the Bahamas. Face her. Make eye contact. Nod your head appropriately. Say, "Uh uh-huh. Really listen to her. Give her your attention. Don't check out. Putting her first. We could talk about some ways to do this, but it'll be different for everybody. But you know what it means to put her first. You know, where do you want to go to eat? hear that all the time. Oh, I don't care wherever you want to go to eat. You know what you can do? I know what your favorite restaurant is. Let's go there. Put her first. Put her first. Little courtesies, like saying thank you, like opening the door, like getting her a glass of tea rather than saying, hey, while you're up, would you give me something? You know, little courtesies. Show appreciation. Say thank you. Um, My wife will let me open the door for her to get into the car, but once we get somewhere and we're getting out, there is no way I can get around there fast enough to get the door open. It just doesn't work that way, so we kind of do half and half on that. Show the little courtesies. Surprises. Now, pleasant surprises, not unpleasant surprises, right? Hey, honey, look what I bought. That's an unpleasant surprise. Pleasant surprises, notes, flowers, unexpected lunch dates, quick call, her favorite movie that she would never expect you to want to go see with her. That's a surprise right there, right? No, don't do, if you do all, your good point, if you do all these things at once, they're going to think you want something, right? Yeah, that's a good point. They're going to say, okay, what's wrong? What did you do, you know? You got to increment these, you know, bring them in little by little. Um, I'll never forget, uh, I, was, I was on a business trip somewhere. And, uh, and, you know, and I'm used to maybe going on a trip and my wife will pack a card in my bag or something, a little note. Of course, this was before text, so now it's a little easier. But I remember getting to one place and opening up my stuff and there was a piece of lingerie in there. Got my attention. I was ready to come home. I was ready to ditch the meeting, the whole thing. That was a pleasant surprise, right? You can figure out what works for you. Assume some of the planning like you talked about. You know, don't say, well, yeah, we can go out on a date tonight. You find a sitter and pick a restaurant and you, you know, gas up the car. Yeah, I'll be there. Do some of the planning. Take care of the child care. Do that. Assume some of the planning on date nights, child care, vacations, etc., etc. Ask how you can help her and then do it. 
You know, it doesn't work if you say, hey, how can I help you? Hey, can you get those dishes out of the dishwasher? Yeah, I will, just in a little bit. That doesn't help you. You lose all your points that way. I, I, I remember a wife that was complaining because she could not get her husband to take out the trash. Oh, yeah, I'll get it. And then he wouldn't get it. Oh, I'll get it after this commercial. He wouldn't get it. And so here's what I told her to do. Tonight, you go home and say, dear, sometime before you go to bed, can you take the trash out? Yeah, I'll get it. And then when, you go to, when he goes to bed and he's not taking the trash out, I want you to take the trash out. She said, what do you mean you want me to take the trash out? I want you to take the trash out and I want you to put it in the front seat of his car. <laughs> and, and, and undo it a little bit so it smells, right? You don't have to say, I told you to do it. That's all you have to do and he'll do it. Guys, ask her how she needs help and then do it. Doing what you say you will do when you say you will do it. Practicing their love language, even though it's not yours and it probably isn't yours. Practice their love language. Learn it. Figure out what it is. Give her physical attention, guys, that does not lead to sex. Oh, I thought for sure I'd get an amen from wives on that. Do that. Are you... I used to saddle up to my wife, give her a big hug, kiss her on the neck, and she'd push me away. And I'd keep trying, and she'd keep pushing me away, and then I finally got mad. I said, why do you do that? And she says, because I know what you want. <laughs> and, and she was right. I'm, she was right. And so we had to break that habit. I had to break that habit. And so I would come up and give her a hug, and she'd start pushing me away, I'd say, Honestly, dear, I don't want anything. You could lay down on the floor naked and ask me for it, and I wouldn't take it. 